Welcome back. This is Jim Cimbala, Senior Pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. We are going to continue my new series, The Calling, a podcast for Christian leaders. I don't know your Sunday schedule, but let me tell you a little bit about mine. The praise and worship, the meeting kind of begins. I'm tying up loose ends and come down during the beginning part of the praise and worship. I get off the elevator and I walk, and I go through a side door into the auditorium, then walk to my spot, which is near the monitor soundboard. The moment I open that door, this happens so many times, the sound of thousands of people praising God, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir up there singing along with the congregation, someone leading up in the front, a couple people standing maybe singing different parts for the songs. But when I walk in, if I look to the right, I see that. But when I walk in, I just see the people and they don't know because I'm coming in from their side. They don't know that I'm coming in. And when I see their faces, their arms, hands lifted up, when I hear the intensity of their worship, I can't tell you how many times it's melted me, lifted me out of whatever little funk I might be in. Oh, is it powerful when you're around and you're part of real worship in spirit and in truth. That's what I want to talk to you about. You know, when the temple was dedicated in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 7, 3 says, When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. The temple was a place of worship. And right along with that, it was the place where God's presence was. And we're going to follow that little thread. Praise and worship. The word for worship in the Old Testament is from a word which means to bow down or go low. Doesn't mean physically, that has to be done every time. But it means the bowing of our hearts before God in deep adoration. That's what worship is about, us going down. God is great, we acknowledge that greatness, and we bow down in our hearts before him. And we adore him, we treasure him, we extol him, we exalt him. Now, in prayer, someone has said, we're concentrating on our needs. In praise we're, and thanksgiving, we're concentrating on our blessings. But in worship, we are focusing on who God is, just for himself. You know, it's like valuing someone on earth. Do you love them and care for them because of what they give you? Or do you care for them just because, oh my goodness, I love you? Now, I'm blessed. My wife is a great songwriter, choir director, worship leader. And I'm surrounded by people who are worshiping God. And as I said, sometimes I, I come in that side door and like I'm saying, oh God, I got to get to my spot. I got to worship like them. You know, worship is contagious when you're around real worshipers. Now, the problem is that a lot of times we have fallen into problems with worshiping people more than worshiping God. We admire people, but we never worship anyone. That's very, very unhealthy. In Revelation, the last chapter, John says, I, John, in verse 9, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all those who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. We admire people. We can be influenced by them. we got to be very careful. There are no superstars in Christianity except Jesus. 
We got that? And we can easily be carried away with the cult of personality and, oh, I have traveled a hundred miles to hear him speak. Whoa, 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 be careful. Worship God. Now, in our meetings, I've noticed traveling around the country and around the world, I've been in some services where the worship is so deep, so spiritual, so overwhelming to me that I didn't want to preach. That's the truth. I was scheduled to preach in one church in Korea, one of the three biggest churches in the world at that time. And they started worshiping God, singing in Korean. That's a great church there in Seoul. My heart so melted as I heard all my Korean brothers and sisters lifting their voices to God that I, God is witness. I prayed and said, God, if there's a way of getting out of preaching, and if you want to take this meeting so it's just worship and praise all the way through, I am so good for that. Oh God, this moment is so special. You ever live through moments like that? They did ask me to speak. I hope I was a blessing, but oh, I remember that moment. In fact, I have moments like that going all the way back to childhood where people really worship and God's presence came as they worship his manifest presence. I know he's everywhere at the same time, but he manifests his presence at special moments, usually associated with worship, as we're going to learn. Oh my goodness, those moments. Now, I've been a lot of places, as I said, though, where I have to preach after the praise and worship, and I'm not sure we were praising and worshiping. It was more of a concert gig. The worship team was up in the front. This is very prevalent in the last number of decades. And they had everything rehearsed and everything structured and key changes, and they're all kind of oblivious to the crowd, and many times it's associated with these movements of, oh, look, I'm really in deep worship. I can't judge anyone, but it can, a little of it goes a long way with me. But I look at the audience because I'm there, and I'm noticing no one's singing. Yo, worship team, worship and praise is everyone singing to God. He's the audience, not us. We're not interested in your song and what you've put together. Just get us singing so we can worship God. But now it's become an art form, and it's, in my judgment, can easily get away from us. Now there are great worship teams and great worship leaders. We've had them at our church, and they're world famous in the sense of everyone knows they're used by God to lead people into worship. But I've been in other places where you're not sure, is this Broadway or is this worshiping God? God is the audience of one, and the people worship, all the people. So worship leaders, tell your own worship leader, sing and worship God, but remember, keep an eye on the crowd. Do they know the words of the song? Is the song easily singable? Are the people getting into it? Because if they're not, why are we doing this? No, because we do praise and worship. The structure of worship and praise in the Bible is many times a lot deeper than what we pass it off as today. It's more of a concert. In the book of John, you know that passage where Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. She's getting convicted of her sin, her lifestyle. Jesus touched that spot where who she was living with wasn't her husband. She quickly changes the subject and, you know, I'm a Samaritan and we're told to worship on this mountain, but you Jews say worship in Jerusalem. And then Jesus dismisses more than a thousand years of Hebrew theology by saying, it doesn't matter where you are to worship. There are no sacred spots. Wow. Not this mountain, that mountain, the basement, subway in New York. No, the day is coming and now even is, Jesus said, when the true worshipers, whoa, time out. There's true worshipers and then there's false worshipers. Otherwise, he wouldn't say true. 
So what characterizes the true? Because I want to be a true worshiper, don't you? Don't you want to see your church be full of true worship? Those people worship in spirit, that's capital S, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Just like you and I can't preach without the help of the Holy Spirit, and we can't love people without the help of the Holy Spirit, you can't pray without the help of the Holy Spirit, you can't worship, except that you're yielded and in sync with God. And his spirit is inspiring you to worship that's beyond what you could humanly do. That's the worship that the new covenant brought in when Jesus died on the cross, rose again, went back to heaven, and then sent the Holy Spirit. And oh my, we can now worship with the help of the Holy Spirit. He gives us words. He gives songs to writers. Oh my goodness. Sometimes he'll give a phrase to the worship leader who will just say something and it just makes you forget who they are up there and just get so conscious of God. The true worshipers the Father seeks. Wait a minute, the Bible is full of, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's seeking something. Oh, I gotta know more about this. That's right, the Father seeks those. That's how important worship is. Father's looking for, searching for. Those who will worship him with the help of the Holy Spirit and in truth. That means sincerity there. Let's look at that, what does that mean? It doesn't mean truth objectively like according to correct doctrine. That's important, but it's talking about something else here. It's talking about the sincerity, that's the transparency that comes before God and doesn't cover up anything and put on a happy face and cover over something that we know is not right with God. This is the kind of worship the Father is seeking. You know, there's that passage in the Psalms that says, the New American Standard has it, yet you are holy, O thou who inhabits the praises of his people. You are holy, pure, separate from sin, dirtiness. You sit enthroned. You sit as a king, ready to pass out blessings. Where does he sit? In the praises of his people. Praise brings the presence of God if we're doing it with sincerity, remembering that God is holy. So example, if I'm beating my wife every week and I won't stop, and someone says, come on now, let's lift our hands and sing, how great is our God. Hey, listen, I can sing it, but I'm not worshiping. How can you worship when you're beating your wife or cheating on the job or hating people or living in immorality? They'll tell you you might be worshiping, but trust me, you're not worshiping for the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So come on, brothers and sisters, listening to me today. Let's lead the people and have our worship teams lead the people into the worship that the Father is seeking for. He, he wants in the Brooklyn Tabernacle that worship that makes his heart glad. What a worship is that? In spirit, governed, inspired by the Holy Spirit and in total sincerity. Lord, here I am. Forgive me for my shortcomings. I want to be in the light, not only to be cleansed, but to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. Let's go after that with all of our hearts.